Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of 30 and Thriving. Kind of. The podcast where we talk about all things 30 and thriving. Yes. Kind (laughs) of. We are your co-hosts. My name is Kendra. And my name is Ashley. Welcome. Wow. That was beautiful. (laughs) I feel like I do that at home with Joe and he does not enjoy it. Well, Joe needs to get over it because that's the singing is the spice of life. Oh, okay. Okay. Even if I'll probably listen to that next on Tuesday when it drops and go, dear Lord. I am driving off a cliff. (laughs) Yeah, I'll leave you driving like, ah! (laughs) So sorry to all you who are just listening to that. My greatest apologies. I thought it was beautiful and I think they will too. (laughs) Me belting out a W. Yes. Um, I'm really excited for today's topic because this is something that you have a ridiculous amount of passion for and has been very much, I would say very life-changing for me, but like even more so for you. Um, I feel like this topic that we're talking about today, I got to see you from like this, like not really knowing much, afraid, like, uh, feeling really I like fearful is the word like really scared really unsure like is are, am I doing the right thing all the way to this completely transforming your wealth and like it's been five years and it's only the beginning yes yeah so and I exciting. think we see a lot of our friends out there and a lot of our peers who are struggling and um, they're in their 30s or even approaching 40s. Some are in their 20s and um, I think the 20s is the best place to start with this. But uh, today we're talking about how to get into your first home. Yes. So we're going to set this up. People learn in threes. Okay. So we're going to set this up in threes. We have three sections of threes. We're going to tell you three truths about real estate three myths about real estate and then we're going to tell you three stories about buying real estate love it so let's start you ready to just hop right in let's jump into it let's jump in okay so um tell me what do you think is like the first most important truth for people to know about real estate i think one of my favorite things about home ownership and owning real estate is that there is a direct connection and a direct correlation of owning real estate and a high net worth. Mm. Yes. Tell me more. Yeah. So you can find studies out there. I don't know the exact numbers, but when you 32.7%, no, I'm just kidding. You know me with stats. (laughs) It's probably a higher percentage. (laughs) Um, But the, the percentage of millionaires in this country have gotten their wealth through home ownership through owning real estate. Yes, the most wealthy people in the world have a majority of their wealth in real estate yes. is what I've read. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then I've even seen on Instagram like these kids driving up to men or women in their really expensive cars or walking down Rodeo Drive and they ask them how much money do you have in your bank or how much is your net worth and then the people will most people, you know, some people hesitate and then most people do end up answering the question like Like, is this kid joking? And they'll be like, $2 million. And he's like, that's great. How'd you get so much money? Or how'd you get so wealthy? 
And they'll always say, not always, but a lot of times we'll say real estate. Yep. So a big passion of mine is seeing my friends going from dead broke yeah. from being, you know, just struggling, living paycheck to paycheck, struggling to pay their rent to figuring out how to own the home that they are in, purchasing their first home. Mm-hmm. And then a small amount of time, like two or three years later, they go to buy their next home and they have so much equity in their home that they bought with down payment assistance, something that they did when they were super broke, didn't know how they could do it, and they ended up doing it. Yeah. So that's my passion there is seeing someone going from broke to growing their net worth exponentially. And let me just also say the amount of equity you gain in home ownership in one year is probably going to be, it could surpass what you make at your job. And I wouldn't say like entirely, but imagine, let's say you gain with in the last few years in the real estate market that we've been in. Yes. People gaining $100,000 in equity in two years, that's $50,000 a year. Some people doing nothing. Right. Living, owning where you live. Yep. You did no work for that 50K, yet most of these people were making 50K when they bought that home. Right. Yeah, that's what's insane. Isn't that cool? And and even though, you know, it's not projected that the market's going to keep doing this forever. Right. A healthy year over year appreciation is about 3%. uh, 2020 to 2021, and then I believe 21 to 2022, we saw like 11 to 13% in Mm -hmm. appreciation in the Denver metro area. And I'm sure throughout the country, it's pretty similar. And we're not going to continue to see that. Uh, that exponential growth like that, but we still are expected to see year over year appreciation. Yeah. And the thing is like, get in because it's not the last time that we may see these amazing appreciations. Right. Okay. You touched on like another truth um, a little bit, which was like leveraging one house to the next. So talk to us a little bit about this second truth of real estate. Yeah. So the first truth is your net worth is directly correlated with home ownership. The second reason, the second truth about real estate is that you can leverage your properties to continue to grow your wealth. And so let me explain that. But Kendra... I do not want to buy a tiny condo and live in a tiny condo. Like if I'm going to buy something, I would rather wait and get like a single family house with at least a yard. Great. Is your income (laughs) going to continue to grow to keep up or surpass the appreciation that we're seeing in this market? Well, I don't know, Kendra. I hope so, but I don't know. Has it in the past? No. Well, it's probably not going to because, (laughs) let me just tell you, then how do we fix this? (laughs) (laughs) So appreciation, if we're seeing, let's even just say 5 to 7%. If you're not getting a 5 to 7% to match that um, appreciation in the market from your job, Mm. so if you're not getting a new job that pays 5 to 7% more than what you were making last year or getting a raise of 5 to 7% more than what you're making, you are not keeping up with the appreciation in the real estate market, thus putting you further back 
Mm. So, you know, what's great about this, which is so interesting about this too, is I just, is such a side note. I just heard on the radio this morning that the average uh, pay increase is 3%. So if the average pay increase is 3%, but real estate is increasing 5 to 7%, you will never outpace the market in your personal income. Ding, ding, ding. So how do we fix it? Uh, Buy sooner rather than later. And buy that condo that I'm not in love with right now. Exactly. And this is just something to remember. Your first home is not your forever home, generally. It's probably less than 1% of the population who buys their first home and actually stays in it for the rest of their life. You're going to generally stay in your home for five to seven years. And then this goes back into leveraging your house. So once you're in that home for, let's say you buy that condo that you're really not thrilled about, but it works for now. Toughen it out for two years. And in two years, you've probably gained a good amount of equity that you can now purchase the next home that's a better fit. So maybe it's a town home, maybe it's a small single family home. And now you can leverage your first home because now you likely have equity, a good amount of equity. And here's what you can do with that. You can sell that first home. Okay. And take that equity and use it as a down payment to your next home. Oh, and then if I have more money down, I can buy a more expensive home. Yes, exactly. Okay. You can also uh, use it, keep it as a rental property. So you can keep that property, rent it out, get a lease on it, have someone else paying your mortgage plus some, and now it shows a small amount of monthly income because you're probably not going to be able to cash flow. And so that's what cash flow is, renting out plus whatever you make on top of that. Okay. So that's your monthly cash flow. The cash flow is not going to make a huge dent in your income, but it's going to show that the property is being paid off and you're making a little bit of money. Therefore, now you can afford a little bit more on the next home. Awesome. So I can leverage my first home two different ways. I can either sell it and use the equity and go buy my next bigger, nicer home, maybe a town home next, and then maybe the single family home in another two to five years. Or I can rent my first property, get a little bit of cash flow, get to that townhome, and then also still have that leverage that I'm holding on to. Exactly. If I wanted to be a landlord. Yep. You can pull out a home equity line of credit from that home. Um, so if you want to do some renovations in your property, you can leverage out your current property, pull out a home equity line of credit. We call that HELOC. Mm-hmm. Pull that money out, and now you can do some upgrades around the house. And then you just pay that money back. It's it's like you're borrowing from your own bank. Wow. You're telling me that if I buy a home, now I've also bought a bank? Essentially, yes. That's cool. You can borrow from your own money. There are some stipulations. That, you know, there there is an interest rate to it. But you can pay that money back. And then that I believe it's a 10-year bank that sits there for you. So you can borrow it whenever you want. Pay it back, and then that money's there again for you to borrow again in the future. What an awesome way to be able to leverage my little tiny condo. Exactly. I love it. Okay, truth number three. Give us the last truth. That there is appreciation. And appreciation, I appreciate you. <laughs> Your real estate agent will appreciate you. I appreciate my clients. I hope my and clients appreciate me. And that is the third truth of real estate. <laughs> No, we're talking a whole nother appreciation. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> 
So appreciation in the real estate world is we're talking about the value of your home is increasing, which is super cool. So your payment is essentially going to stay the same. Now, it's not going to stay entirely the same because things will increase, such as taxes, HOA, insurance, those things will increase. Sure. But if you have a fixed rate mortgage, which most people will get, your your what you owe will never increase on the property unless you take out more, you know, like a second mortgage or whatever. Got it. But if you don't do that, your what you owe will just continue to go down while the value of the property appreciates it increases over time wait hold on you're telling me that i'm going to invest in something that gets less and less expensive but actually is more and more valuable absolutely is there any other investment like that out there um i mean not that i know of but maybe i don't think there is i can't think of anything pretty cool. It's super cool. And what I also love about it is with appreciation, you can force appreciation. So you can buy a property that is a little bit distressed, outdated, um, just needs some updating, remodeling, stuff like that. It might have some damage, It you know, whatever it might be, you need to put some money into it. So you can buy that property less than market value because it's not going to be selling the same as a completely renovated, updated home. So you're going to buy that less than market market rate generally, market um, price generally, mm-hmm. and then you can force the appreciation on that. So you can do some upgrades, do new flooring, baseboards, you can uh, paint it, remodel the kitchen, redo the bathrooms, landscape. So now you're forcing the appreciation. Now you're forcing the value to increase where you can't do that with stocks. Mm. You can't do that with insurance or what a gold you can't force appreciation on those things you can force appreciation in the properties that you own and you're going to see uh when you when you force appreciation the correct way you're going to see true appreciation so it's not like i put 10k in and the house is worth 10k more it's like when you do it right i put 10k in and the house is worth 30k more right i've heard um that the three best things that you can do to increase appreciation on your house, the three cheapest, easiest things to do, paint, carpet, and a new front door. Yes. Good work. Any of y'all that own and want to force that appreciation, paint, carpet, front door. Yes. And talk to your real estate agent before you do these so that they can make suggestions on what the latest trends are. And you don't want to be super trendy, Um, let's say in like an older home, you don't want something, or let's say like a mid-century modern home, you don't want something that's super rustic, or you don't want a Mm. a mountain home that should be more rustic, and then have something that's super trendy for like city vibes. Yeah, like Um, contemporary in a rustic home is not going to work. Right. Got it. And same with like paint especially, like Or like intense wallpaper. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Right. Which could work in some homes and in some smaller doses. And that's why you should talk to your real estate agent yes. before you start getting crazy. Exactly. Okay. Noted. Well, that was fun. Okay. So three truths about real estate. Let's recap. Okay. Truth number one. Truth number one. Your net worth is directly correlated with home ownership, with owning real estate. Boom. Number two. 
Number two, you can leverage the properties you have. Mm, number three. Number three, appreciation station. <laughs> um, Love it. You can force appreciation. You will generally almost always see appreciation on real estate as long as you're treating it right and doing the right things. Love that. Okay, we're going to jump into myths. But I'm going to, and we're supposed to only have three myths, but because we talked about appreciation and general appreciation, I just feel like I'm going to give a bonus myth right now that I'm going to bust. So here's your bonus myth before we jump into the rest of the myths. Okay. Which is real estate drops in value Mm -mm. because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe from the research that I have done that there has only been one time in history that real estate actually dropped in value, and that was in 2009. Okay. That, that could... Any other time that you go back and look at market statistics of the real estate market, it has never actually dropped. It has gone plateau, but the only time that the real estate market actually dropped when pro- prices got lower was in 2009. Okay, so that... That um, research that you found was probably year-over-year values um, because real estate is cyclical and real estate, back to the myth, real estate will always go up and to the right. So if you're looking at a chart, it's going to go up and to the right. Now, if you zoom in on that up and to the right line, you're going to see some dips and some peaks and some dips and some peaks, Okay, it's generally going to keep going up. I get what you're saying. So like if I look at from... Um, like April to August, it's probably going to be higher in April and lower than in August. But if I look at 2000, each year, year 2000 year. to 2001 mm-hmm. to 2002 to 2003, it's always going to go up except for in 2009 was a full year where it actually depreciated. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that Thank you sense. for clarifying. Of course. Um, okay. Let's talk about the three real myths. Myth busters. Let's bust them. Myth number one, bust it up. What is myth number one? <laughs> hmm, remind, what do we want remind. myth number one to be? Oh, myth number one. You need 20% down to buy a home. That is a myth. Myth, 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 myth. Yes, you do not need 20% down to buy a home. So uh, that used to be the program was to have 20% down to buy real estate. And then... Uh, these programs, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and all that jazz, they entered the chat and said, you do not need 20%. You can come in with 3 to 5% minimum down payment. But anything less than 20%, we will be charging mortgage insurance. Mm. And so that just protects them should you default on your loan, which it's really stupid anyway because if you default on your loan, you don't have a house anymore. So it really doesn't protect anything for anybody, but they just get a little bit of extra money every month from you. But it allows you to buy a house, and for that, we're thankful. Yeah, because you're you're pretty much, like, trading uh, a little bit more monthly for PMI insurance. What What does it stand for? Um, primary mortgage insurance. Thank you. Primary mortgage insurance. You're trading a little bit to pay for that every month. For not having to figure out how to save 20% down 
which goes back to that same concept of you can't outsave the market. If mm-hmm. you're only making 3% of an income increase every year, but the market is appreciating 5 to 7% and inflation and is inflation, 7%. Right. So you're you're trying to get this 50,000 100,000 going nowhere. Yeah, you're trying to save up to this $100,000 payment. Well, by the down payment, well, by the time that you finally save the $100,000 payment with inflation, you now need a hundred and thirty thousand dollars mm-hmm. so now you need to grab 130 and by the time you get to right. you'll never get there you're gonna always be chasing up yeah so you're because, running uphill exactly so the pmi is absolutely worth it because you don't have to play the chasing game anymore you pay pmi for a little bit and then once uh then you can actually be able to buy a home with i mean i've i've been a buyer's agent where my buyer brought less than two thousand dollars to the table mm-hmm yep yeah. I most of my buyers do probably about 3 to 5%, honestly. Yeah, uh, and, and, and it's crazy because you think about how much uh down payments are for or the security deposit is for an apartment, mm-hmm. right? Like you need first and last month's rent, right. then the security, and it's like you're paying I don't know, 5, 6 you're, grand. You are that's You could such buy a, a house. Point. You could buy a house with that that what you're putting down on an apartment. Such a good point. But you're paying 100% interest to that apartment instead of, what's interest rates right now? Under 7%? It's like 6% right now. Okay, let's go to myth number two. Interest rates, they're way too high. I cannot buy right now. And yes, interest rates are higher than what they were a year ago. I mean, people got lucky who locked in their interest rate at... You know, I've heard as low as, I think, 2.4. Wow. Um, Joe and I have a 3%. I've had friends lock in at 2.75. Those are outstanding interest rates, but they should have never gotten that low. And they got that low, and now we're in the situation today where it's inflated prices because people were able to afford homes and lock in those interest rates. Well, people were overbidding on homes. That's when inflation came in. The value of the dollar was decreasing, and now we have to raise interest rates to combat all of that. Mm. So the interest rates that we have today, one, are they higher than they were the last few years? Yes. Sure. Are they the highest they've been? No. Interest rates, used, it used to be typical to buy a home with double-digit interest rates. Yes. That's what we forget. Right. And here's the thing, like back then, yes, interest rates were at 1.14%, 12%, 16%. Prices also were like $60,000. So I get the argument there. We are buying with inflated interest rates and inflated prices, but the interest rates do change. And let's say you do lock in a 6% today, 6.5% today. Mm-hmm. And let's say in a year from now, they are at 4%. Mm-hmm. We can refinance. So you still locked in a lower price on the home because we're not overbidding fifty dollars to $100,000 like we were a year ago. I even heard of some over $200,000 overbidding. <sighs> Two years ago, not today. Right, a year ago. Year ago. Was, yeah, a year or a year and a half ago. But you locked in at asking price where the appraised value is, maybe a little bit under. You got that interest rate. But next year, it's going to be 4 4.5%. You can refinance, lock in that lower interest rate, and now your monthly payment has gone down. Yeah, I think you're hitting something that's so important. The interest rate, that's, 
that's you, you talked about how like your monthly payment is going to stay the same every month so you know how much you're paying we talked about that in the truth but the beautiful thing about mortgages is that if the interest rate goes down we can go play and we can refinance and get that interest rate down exactly and so yes today you are going to be paying in the sixes but you're that doesn't mean for 30 years of your loan you're paying in the sixes. Right. That means for the next few years until interest rates drop again because whatever comes up must come down. Whatever goes down must comes up. It's the, like, law of... It's the law of... Law of life. I don't know. But it's it's the truth, right? Like, it, it never has the market stayed the same. Never has any... If something goes up, it's going to come down. If it goes down, it's going to come up. Right. So hold on to the home for what? If you want to hold your hold on to your home for a couple of years, interest rates are probably going right. to adjust. Yes, and that's the thing is, if you have to sell in a year from now, if you think your company is going to relocate you in a year or two years from now, yeah, it might be a little risky to buy if you need to sell in one to two years. Okay. If you plan, regardless of you, if if your job relocates you and you plan to keep that regardless and use it as a rental property, you're fine. Mm-hmm. If you um, plan to live in that house for three plus years, you're likely going to gain appreciation and gain equity on that property. You know, you hit something that I think is really important to just like kind of push on a little bit more here, which is um, like the the what ifs of life. Like none of us know, you, you know, we all want to assume that we have People plan their lives, right? And they're like, yeah, I think I'll be in Colorado for the next three years, next five years. But, like, what if something does happen and you end up relocating? And I think that's why a lot of younger people are so hesitant to buy property because, you know, we're not settled down. We don't have our, you know, some of us don't have our families yet. Mm-hmm. And we say younger people. Here we are in our 30s. But, like, <laughs> I, I still feel like <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, there's still a lot up in the air. And I think as millennials, too, we're, we're more spontaneous and more adventurous. Um, and I think you hit on something that was really important there of, um, even if you choose to buy something today and let's say your world flips you upside down and you end up needing to relocate or needing to do something where that house no longer makes sense for you, mm-hmm. but you go to sell it a year from now, you're like, crap, I, this isn't working. I like, I need this. I'm not going to live in this home anymore. You go to sell it in here and you go, oh, I'm not really in a position where it makes sense for me to sell this financially. Like maybe I'm not making a ton of money off of it. Or any. Or any money off of it. At the end of the day, if the real estate market in buying and buying is low, that means the rental market is high. Mm -hmm. So worse, like the biggest risk that I foresee a homeowner taking is worst case scenario, I have to become a landlord for one, two, maybe three years Mm -hmm. and get the thing rented out. And again, when people aren't buying, people still have to live in homes. So if nobody's buying right now, okay, that's fine. Somebody's renting. So it's easier to get your property rented out. You still are safe and secure. So it's to me, buying real estate is a very um, safe investment because if I can't sell it, I'll be able to rent it well. Right. I just wanted to put that out. Yes, there. no, totally. I that's just such a great point. I mean, even if you plan on staying here for just a couple of years, you relocate, you can you have power because you own real estate. You can rent that out. You have way more options by owning real estate. Like if you didn't own real estate and then you needed to relocate, you don't have access to 
the HELOC, like maybe that HELOC would help you relocate. Mm-hmm. You don't have access to creating passive income through cash flow. Like, and um, you're cashing out on this investment that is no longer to be growing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that it's just a perspective shift, right? Like mm-hmm. people can look at real estate and it can seem very scary, but it's actually very easy to be able to leverage this because it is classified as an asset not a liability and trust me you will not think being a landlord is as bad as it sounds like it's so much fun it's really not that bad and there's you get to help people like you're really truly helping people well there's a whole world out there of real estate investors who wish they had your property like they wish they had the problem that you had so imagine if you got something let's say a year ago at a good interest rate, you know, the price isn't great, but your monthly payment isn't bad. And that's what we really need to focus on, especially for first time home buyers is that it doesn't matter what you're pre-approved up to. Mm-hmm. You can be pre-approved up to $500,000, but if your monthly payment is more comfortable at, you know, $2,000 a month, we're going to need to reel you in because the $500,000 property is not going to be the home for you. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure you're comfortable with your monthly mortgage payments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's the most important. And then it's really not that intimidating. Let me just also say, when you start talking with lenders and realtors, you're not tied to this lender. Like You do not have to buy a home. That's the coolest thing is yeah. you can go to a lender and get pre-approved. You can go to 15 lenders and get pre-approved. They're going to look at your financial snapshot. They're going to look at your credit score. They're going to look at your assets and your liabilities. They're going to want to make sure that you have a monthly income. And they're going to make sure that you can afford this home and that you're going to be paying the bank back. From there, you can negotiate with them. If you get a better interest rate with a different lender or lower closing costs with a different lender, you can bring that back to your the lender that you want to work with and say, hey, this one's giving me a half a percent lower than you're giving me. Can you match this? Yeah. I mean, they're not going to be happy, but they're probably going to want your business and they're probably going to match it. Yeah. Or closing costs. Yep. Well, I've heard a, a study too. It's funny that you said that because I, I just keep hearing all these studies on the radio. You've been studying. It's on the radio. I'm telling you guys, KYGO in the morning, they teach me so much. Who listens to the radio? <laughs> I know. Side note. I was talking to somebody that I was, uh, who was I? I was talking to somebody. Oh, a kid who was 20. And I was telling him that I listened to the radio. And he goes, ew, do you 30-year-olds still listen to the radio? <laughs> and I was like, no. Oh, my God. No, we don't. I just listen to the radio. You do. It's easier. You do, we don't. It's easier. But anyways, it t- teaches me so much. Apparently. Because I heard on the radio. You should be listening to podcasts. I also listen to podcasts. On the radio? Uh, not on the radio. I was listening to podcasts on the way over here. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, Gosh. Sorry. We just really got off Okay, so what I heard on the radio is that when you get um at least four different bids... For something, whether it's your, you know, your mortgage guy, or if you need to do work on your house or whatever, that you're statistically more likely to pay less at the end when you get at least four bids mm. because you get to leverage them against each other. So, side note, yeah, go get four bids. Okay, so I always say check with three lenders, but you should check with four lenders. <laughs> I learned something new today. Get twenty-seven bids. <laughs> My lenders are no. gonna kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. 
Just kidding. Yeah. Just use one. No. Just use so-and-so. Um, okay, let's go to myth number three. So uh, let, we've talked a lot. So myth yeah. number one. You need 20% down. That's a lie. Myth number two. The interest rates are high. Yeah, that's a lie. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you cannot time the market. You can't. You just can't. And here, and okay, one more thing about interest rates are high. Guess what happened when interest rates were low a year ago at three percent? Yeah. You people also couldn't afford houses because people were coming in fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars over asking price. That's right. I, and you didn't have the cash to cover the difference. That's right. I truly believe that. There, it's a balance to everything. So when it, and the market will naturally do this. When one thing is really extreme, the other thing's going to counteract it mm-hmm. to be very extreme too. So at the end of the day, I believe that the question isn't what is the market doing that's going to determine if I should buy or not. You, when you decide should I buy or not, it should be a personal decision. Yes. Because the, the market's going to balance itself out one way or another. Super high quote-unquote, super high interest rates are going to decrease property prices. So all of you people who said you couldn't buy last year because properties were so expensive, well, welcome. Take properties, advantage now. Yeah, properties are now not going over asking price. But, yeah, you're going to have to pay. Some of them are. Yeah, that's true. But it's not as crazy. Right. But you're going to have to pay it's a higher not, interest rate right, right now. Mm-hmm. Vice versa, two years ago, yeah, it was super low interest rates, but you're paying way high. So, exactly. like, no matter what, one thing's going to counteract the other. So, at the end of the day, like, everybody wants to get the best deal. I get it. You want to get the best, sexiest deal. It Timing the market's not the way to get mm-hmm. the best, sexiest deal. It's hiring a great real estate agent and having them coach you on how to leverage what's working in your personal life. Right. And, and making sure that you're in a place personally where you should buy. And that's mm-hmm. why, even though it's scary and uncomfortable starting a conversation with a trusted real estate agent, you know, whether it's you or somebody else that they know or, um, you know, whatever it may be, just start a conversation. Because real yes. estate agents who really are educated and care about people will, will guide you the right direction. Absolutely. Um, so I, I had to go on that tangent yeah, for a second. No, I think that's such a great tangent to go on. Like you're never, it's never going to be a perfect situation, especially for the first time home buyer. Yeah. It's, it's just generally not going to be, we don't have the cash. Yeah. And, and that, that's just what it is. Cash is king. And we saw that in the markets in the last few years is, Sellers would accept a slightly lower offer if it's a cash buyer. Yeah. Well, I don't have the cash. You don't have the cash. Our first-time home buyers, our listeners, probably do not have the cash. And that's okay. It's your first home. We're not supposed to come out of the gate swinging. Yes. We, we don't enter our 20s and make the right decisions and then, you know, go purchase the four-bedroom, three-bathroom house with a huge backyard. Like, that's just not yeah. the position we're in, and that is okay. But to all of our listeners that are 18 years old, yes, go talk to a lender today and a real estate agent today, even if you think there's no way that you can buy. Yes. Today. I wish I did. If there's anything I could do, I'd go back to when I was 18 and, and do that. Yeah. I also think if you have children that are 18, that should be their 18th birthday present is an appointment with a real estate agent and a lender. It. Yes. <laughs> Well, and you know what? Okay, we'll talk about this in a minute. So, <laughs> okay, let's bust myth number three. Okay, myth number three. My home value is going to decrease because we're going to end up in a recession and the mm. economy sucks right now. 
Okay. And so what, what does that matter though? Well, I don't want a depreciating home. Okay. So don't sell it when it's low. Keep working, keep at it. The market comes back up. And when the market comes back up, just like it did after 2008, 2009, those people who bought in 2008 or 2009, the people who bought before 2008 and 2009, guess how wealthy they are in 2022 if they kept their homes. Mm, so real. I was just talking to a real estate investor the other day who said that he accidentally bought this property in 2009 for, it was like in a foreclosure. It was for under $100,000 and it's worth over a million now. Shut up. Yeah. So he basically gained, sorry, I didn't listen to the years you said, 2009 to Yeah, it was like 2008, 2009 that he bought this home. It was like in foreclosure, $100,000, and today it's worth over a million. So that's like $800,000. in appreciation. So that's almost like $80,000 a year of appreciation. Yeah, and doing nothing. Insane. That's yeah. insane. No, those are like the anomalies, kind of, not a lot. Or Something outliers, like that but. is an outlier. <laughs> but that's the, like, it's not It's not an outlier to be walking away and appreciate hundreds of thousand dollars. Yes. yes. Uh, I mean, we can talk about our parents, right? My parents bought their property. My parents bought their 3,000 square foot house for less than my 800 square foot condo that uh, I bought, right? Which is, we talked about that yeah. last episode. But that house they bought for, I think, 120, 140, is worth over half a million now. Yeah. And it's, and that's not an abnormal story. No, in those situations, it's like they should be close to paid off. I went with, um, well, my mom's boyfriend, he bought his place. He's one of those um, outliers who keep their home for the 30 year, the full 30 years. Yeah. So he bought it 30 years ago with him and his ex-wife, and um, and then he just paid it off, I think, two or three years ago. Beautiful. And it's in Golden, Colorado, so it's worth a shitload of money. Yep. And I, I don't know how much he bought it for, but I know he's got a lot of money well, sitting Well, I there. mean, they're probably close to a million dollars in Golden. Oh, absolutely. Or over it? Yeah. Yeah. And is he making a million dollars a year? No, probably not. I don't know. He's pretty well for himself. But no, he doesn't make millions million dollars a year. I mean, that's a million dollars that's just sitting there for right. him to do whatever he wants with. Exactly. And that's like, that's where we want to be, you guys. Like, it, and it's might be tempting, too, for people to see, oh, I have $50,000 of equity. Let me sell this place. But think about the closing costs. Think about, you know, it, you're going to have to pay the commissions and whatnot. So just and it's leveraging off. too, right? Yeah. Like it, it, if you think, oh, boy, I just made $50,000. Awesome. How am I going to leverage that to the next purchase? Yes, let's make smart moves if yeah. you're going to cash out on your investment. Right. Don't start all over again because you're going to have to go back to that condo right. you didn't want to buy in the right. first place. Right, because you're going to see that $50,000 <laughs> in your account. You're going to be like, ooh, I want to go on vacation, and then I want to buy this car, and then I want to buy these clothes. And then you're right back in the same spot. So, yeah. like, if you're going to cash out, make sure you have a plan, especially for those of us who are a little less um, disciplined, for those yeah. of us who kind of, you know, spend irrationally and whatnot. But, yes, yeah. there's so much power in owning real estate. And we just have this passion because we saw the difference that it has made for us personally. And, and we never thought we would get there, right? Like, yes. when I bought my first place, I was like, 
I, I was scared. I remember. I, I remember. So, okay, we'll, we'll go to three stories, too, because... Um, so let's wrap up the myths and then let's start with the three stories. I want to talk a little bit about your first place because yes. I was right there next to you. <laughs> and then so you the stayed in it. Three, yeah. <laughs> and then I lived it. She rented it out to me. Yes. Leverage, <laughs> bitches. So the three myths, you need 20% down. That's a lie. Three to 5% generally is yep. what we see, especially with first time buyers. And... There's down payment assistance programs that can help you with that, friends. So yep. I've seen as little with Chaffa down payment assistance program, you need as little as one thousand dollars in the deal. Love that. So if you got a thousand bucks today, you can you buy, a place. buy a place. Crazy potentially. Yes, as long as you're not a wreck with your finances. Which, by the way, like we've all been, like I've been a wreck. We've with all my been finance. there. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like just. It's embarrassing to go have those conversations, right? But, like... They can get you on track. Let's face our problems. Take the ego away so you can go make better decisions for your future. Don't yes. worry about the pain today of somebody seeing your ugly shit. Like, I, we've all been there. I, My shit's ugly right now. I'll be honest. Like, my shit's not ideal right now either. But, like, you need somebody who is educated in this to help you. So let the people who are educated in helping you put your ego away. If your money's not exactly where it needs to be, start having conversations. People will help you get there. Mm -hmm. Talk to a lender, talk to a real estate agent. Yes. Okay. Myth number two, we talked to interest rates. Um, yes, they are higher than what they used to be, but that does not mean that you should buy. So the myth is I can't that does buy not mean right you now. You should not buy. Yeah, should not buy. Sorry. <laughs> So the myth right now is uh, I can't buy interest rates are too high. That's a lie. Yes. And then myth number three is no, I shouldn't buy right now because my home's going to depreciate and then I'm the not going to be able gonna to afford trash, it. Da, da, da. Yeah, we killed that myth as well. All right, three stories. So the first story, let's talk about you. I remember you were just a few years into real estate. You had just quit your job um, waiting tables. Mm -hmm. You were you had. You did not have a very consistent income, like mm -hmm. the real, you know, you're just trying to get consistent in your real estate business. And um, I was actually set offloading these condos for this investor and we kept having you look at these studio condos, right? You were just like, I just, you were so scared, but so committed to getting into a property that you said, you know, I don't even need a one bedroom. Maybe this little studio will work. So you were a student of what you speak yes. of, which I love. What was cool is even though your expectations were so low to these tiny 500 square foot studios, you actually ended up with a very adorable one bedroom condo for your first home. Okay. So talk us through your journey. Yeah. So that was after, and I know we've talked about some of this in past episodes, but just as a refresher, I had... I was in a relationship. We had a real estate guru. I don't know, a real estate, top real estate um, agent in town to just like teach our team. And then they, we had like a conference and we went out to happy hour and he told me I need to quit my job at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up doing that. Fast forward, I was still in this relationship and I was doing some deals here and there, but, you know, I wasn't, I think I did like maybe 16 deals that year actually. So it was, it was pretty good. Um, anyway, broke up with him, moved in with my mom and her boyfriend. 
and had no plan. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was super depressed. I was like, it, it was a struggle. I was struggling major. And I love that you share that too, because um, that's also the same time that I ended up buying too. I got a divorce and was like, uh, I don't know what to do. I'm feeling like, so I think that's a really inspiring story of like, it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. Things can be really mm-hmm. hard, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean, like, buying real estate could actually be, the, you know, they talk about the the, um, the hierarchy, what is that Hierarchy called? of needs. The hierarchy of needs, and shelter, shelter is your first one, yeah. and so if you're in a place right now where you're like, everything else is a fucking shit show, like, <laughs> your hierarchy of needs may need to be your safe haven, yes. our, our homes our first homes really became our safe haven. I love that. And now that I'm thinking about it too, like what's crazy is our first homes were really the foundation of big transformations in mm. our lives. Wow. Was it not? Yes. Personal transformations. Yes. You had a huge personal transformation when you moved into your own home and I did too. I feel like I grew up a lot. Like I matured yeah. a lot and I realized how independent and um, I guess self-sufficient Maybe I am. Like that I could be. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it was quite powerful to do all of that. Um, and I wasn't in a great buying situation. And so the lender at the time, he was kind of like the prime lender for our team. Yeah. And took us out. And I was like, well, I want to buy a place. Uh, you know, I'm living at my mom's right now. Just got over this breakup. I'm going to live there until I can buy a place because I'm not going to rent. Like, I'm not going to get an apartment. I'm not going to rent. just not going to do it. And he said, I can help you. And I was like, well, just full disclosure, I quit working at the restaurant, so I don't have that income anymore. And he was so reassuring and said, don't worry, I can do it. I'm, I'm the champ of this. Like, I got this. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's get it going. So I sent him all of my documents, and turns out I needed a co-signer. And then um, <laughs> it was just a shit show the entire time, you guys. Like this lender overpromised, underdelivered. Um, but one great thing is I talked to my aunt, and my aunt was like, "You need to tell, please tell your grandmother that you are under contract to buy this condo." So I call my grandma and I tell her, "Yeah, I'm under contract. I'm going to buy this place." Da 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 da. And she actually had saved a lump sum of money for all of us Mm. so I had ten thousand dollars that she wanted to gift me to use as a down payment Mm. so beautiful I didn't have to come out of pocket any money you guys I was so broke I could not afford an inspection on the place Mm. I bought the property I bought the condo without even doing an inspection but I was like well this chick's been living here how bad could it be and I figured it's an apartment basically like do I go to apartments when I rent and inspect the place? No. So, like, who cares? <laughs> Whatever. How bad could it possibly be? And, no, it really – it. the only thing that happened to it was extreme water damage from a rainstorm – a few rainstorms that have happened. Which but wouldn't have shown up in the inspection exactly, anyways. Exactly. But and with that being said, you should get an inspection Absolutely on do home. an inspection, yes. <laughs> um but so now, you know, my grandmother has gifted this money. So I use that as a down payment. My mother had a co-sign for me. Um, I, it, I'm not saying it was easy, but it was worth it. And then mm-hmm. I refinanced two years later when I was in a better financial situation. I refinanced. And not only that, two years later, 
I was in such a better financial situation that I refinanced that into an investment property and my fiance, now fiance boyfriend then, him and I bought a place two months later after that. There you go. Okay, and let's talk about it. You were in this one bedroom condo that was 700. It's, six, it's 580 square feet. 580 square feet. So almost cute. the I studio. Love it. No, yeah. I love it. I love it. Is. it. It's, it's such a cute place. Yeah. It's a safe haven It's cozy, for women. yes. It really is a safe haven for women. There was a woman living there before me. Then there was me. Then there was you. Then there was uh, my cousin who moved in there. And now there's another gal who's living in there who I just love her too. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you went from this just under 600-square-foot condo. And we talked about leveraging the next property to the next. So, after you went from this 600-square-foot condo, what size was the home that you bought with your fiance? Um, it's just under 2,000 square feet. So not huge. It's like eight, it's like 1,850 square feet. Townhome or single family? Single family. How big is your backyard? We're on a third of an acre, which in Colorado, that's unheard of. <laughs> you guys. People in Indiana are like, that's so small. When I told yeah. them. <laughs> I told Joe's cousin who's from Georgia, I'm like, yeah, we're on a third of an acre. He's like, damn, that's so small. So, like, how do you guys do it? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, I'm on an acre. Well, and going from just under 600 square feet with no yard to now a beautiful single-family home right next to Red Rocks mm -hmm. with a third of an acre. Yeah. And tr almost triple this, over double the square footage. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Almost triple. Almost triple. Yeah. That, like, yeah, it is triple. There you go. Yeah. That's why you start small and go big. Exactly. And let me just tell you, when I got this place, I literally had this thought to myself that I was going to be there for 10 years. Mm. I did, When I bought that place, I was so broke. There were days that I would wake up at four in the morning, log into Uber to drive for Uber, then I would come to work and do some uh, marketing stuff for extremely dirt cheap, like maybe $200 a week, mm. $250 a week maybe. When I was working at the restaurant, that was $250 a night on a slow night. Mm. So going from driving Uber, clocking in at 4 a.m., getting ready for that, to doing this marketing from I think it was 10 a.m. till 2 p.m., and then lead generating for business 2 p.m. and after, and then going home, being broke, I would go to the dollar store and get food. Remember when we went to the dollar store and got food and you were like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I remember I introduced you to the dollar store. Oh, I was like, this place is beautiful. Everything's a dollar. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and I was like, look, get brooms here and like a few other things. And then your ass is buying dinner every night at the like dollar store. I'm like pasta, cheese. <laughs> I got a little sick. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I never got sick. But like, that's what I'm saying is like, you, you have to struggle. Sometimes you have to struggle to get onto the other side. You have to face your fear. When you face your fear, there's thriving on this other side of facing your fears. Yeah. And with all the shit that you went through on your condo with the water damage, the lender, like maybe not necessarily setting you up as, as much as the way that he promised to, like all the bullshit that happened would like... I wouldn't change anything. Mm, there it is. There no, it is. so let me just say, I bought, and I'm going to be completely transparent here. I bought my place for $146,000. Mm -hmm. Okay, when I bought it, my dad said, this is 
expensive for a one bedroom place. When we were out looking at places, I would take my mom and dad and they, my dad kept saying, this is really expensive for a one bedroom apartment basically dad doesn't know because he right. bought his that's he bought that house he bought a house for $146,000 exactly a big ass house that's right okay and then so finally I saw this place and I was like I'm done taking my parents I went and looked at it and then my aunt was in town I showed her it didn't tell my parents really too much about it <clears throat> bought it $146,000 I think my interest rate then was like five percent okay yeah, and that was high then, too, and I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. I was just, like, signing my life away, just thankful that I got a place. <laughs> so then, um, you know, I live in it. Two years later, I start renting it out. My monthly payments were about 1200 then, and then I was renting it out for 1300 And that was with HOA, right? Correct. Okay. So then I refinanced it into an investment property, got a lower rate even with an investment property because of where the market was then. So I got like a four and a half percent. My mortgage right now is like less than $900 a month. Excuse me. <laughs> My mortgage right now is less than $900 a month. I think it's like $867 or something like that. Maybe $880. And then you have um, the HOA, which is $207. And then I increased like some insurance and stuff like that. So I think all in monthly i'm about eleven hundred dollars in i hold on time out rewind i don't know anybody who is renting a property for less than eleven hundred dollars a month for less than like fifteen hundred but you're telling me that i could go buy and own a property for eleven hundred dollars a month with less than what i would put down on an apartment and that would be mine to own yes Oh, weird. And, and <laughs> I think I did the same thing. Right. And the thing, too, is, like, market rent now and market rent then. Like, market rent then probably matched what I was paying for the mortgage then. Sure. But here's what happens. Your mortgage stays essentially the same, minus a few tweaks here and there with, like I said before, insurance taxes, HOA increases. Rent rates keep going up year over year over year. Mm -hmm. So before I would be able to charge $1,100 and match what I'm paying and then I wouldn't have any cash flow. Now I'm charging $1,300 a month in rent and that's not even market rent. Market rent for that area is $1,500. Mm -hmm. So I could be cash flowing $400 a month rather than $200 a month right now. Mm -hmm. And not only that, I could use that as my bank and pull out a HELOC on it. Mm -hmm. So not only do you have somebody paying your mortgage, but you also have that increasing while your mortgage is going down, while you can also leverage the money in that property. Right. And so we let's set it time and time again. Yes. Let's also <laughs> look at what is owed. So I owe on that property about $139,000. Okay. Guess what it's worth right now? What is it worth? It, at least $250,000. I would say there's the exact, same, the exact same floor plan is for sale on the market right now for 275. That's amazing. Yeah. There it is. I love that story. So I could walk away in five years. If I decided to sell that this year, I could walk away with over a hundred thousand dollars and then put that into my next place. And then Joe and I can go buy a new property, put a hundred thousand dollar down payment and make it much more affordable. So we can go buy a $700,000 house now, but the loan is going to be $600,000. Boom. 
So this is the power. Like it's not the first one is always the hardest, you guys. And that's what we were trying to say is the first one isn't easy. The first one you're you're struggling. You're like, damn, closing costs are three thousand dollars, and I have to put this much amount down. And oh my god, it's scary. There's so much paperwork. They asking for documents after documents and sign this and reveal that. Like send me that. It's annoying as hell. It's a lot, but look how worth it it is. Yeah. And your and the thing is, your story is not the abnormal story. This is the traditional smart real estate experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, my favorite story is Amanda's. Mm. Like that's a great story right there, which we can share later. But like, okay. there's there's just story after story after story. So yeah, and yours is very similar to mine. Is you separated from your ex? Yeah. Decided you're going to buy a place. You and I went shopping. Yeah, which is hilarious. I I say this all the time. Even though I hold my real estate license and was still selling real estate quite frequently when I went house shopping, I still brought you along because I was an emotional wreck. But I was the opposite of most buyers. I was, like, ready to buy this condominium that was, like, falling apart with, like... It has structural issues. Yeah, and I'm like, but it's a two-bedroom. It might work. And, like, you were like... Dude, you are not buying this. You are not, yeah. So, like, I always say, even when you're a real estate agent, you need a real estate agent because you're so, so, like, you get so emotional in the process Mm -hmm. of it. And, like, your real estate agent just gets you back on track. Like, you got me back on track so much. And you found my house. Like, I'm a real estate agent. You still found my property. That's (laughs) so funny. That's true. Because our friend Annie... Her sister was selling her condo, and her sister hated it. And I love this place. Yes. And I was like, well, you know what? Because we saw what was on the market already in the area that you wanted to be in. Yeah. And then I said, well, and we, like, went and saw, like, four or five places. Yeah. None of them were it. And I was like, listen, I think Annie has a listing. Her sister hates it, so I don't know what that means for you, but let's at least go look at it. We went and looked at it. I fell in love with it. She literally looked at it, turned around to me, and said... I want it. Yeah, I'm buying this. And it wasn't like a, I'm buying this, this is an astu- it's a bad idea. It was like, oh my God, thank you. This is the right yes. one. <laughs> yes. And the best part about it, my favorite thing that I'll share, is my bathroom is probably bigger than my kitchen, which is it's 100% ab- perfect for me. Yes, it's absolutely bigger than your kitchen. <laughs> but let's tell our listeners, because I know a lot of them are renters, and I know a lot of them want to get into home ownership, but don't think they can do it. And yeah. they're in similar situations, headspaces, that we were in when we bought our first place. So where were your finances in that moment? How did you supply the down payment? Like, what was the process like for you? Yeah, Uh, you know, I was in a position where I actually had a lot of money saved, but um, I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to cash out. I wanted to, I didn't want to liquidate everything. I wanted to be able to have some extra cash um, because I was working in a fully commissioned position and I wanted to make sure that if things went sideways and I, I had some money saved up. Um, so I uh, talked to, with a great lender who you actually recommended me to and he really helped me. So um, I think I've said this before. I, I, I went very conservative in buying my first property and um, I could afford more, but I wanted to make sure that my monthly payments were super low because my goal was year after year that I was going to buy another property. So I wanted to buy something like really sustainable and really lasting that could rent well. Um, and so the, the, the biggest issue that I dealt with was my student loans. That was like the, what held me back on my, um, 
like what, how much I could quote unquote afford, mm-hmm. right? Is I, I had a high debt to income ratio, even though I was making a lot of income, I also had a lot of debt from student loans. And so it was actually a good thing for me because I think I might've gotten a little more excited and actually bought a little more, sure, yeah. right? And um, I'm in a very similar situation as you. I pay $1,100 a month for my mortgage, my HOA, and my insurance. Insane. And it's like, I don't know anybody who's renting for less than $1,100 a I month. I think the average rent in Denver for a one-bedroom is $1,700. Yeah, and I am I own this place for $1,100. Mm-hmm. Um, so when actually, this is the great thing about having a real estate license too, is um, when I bought it, I did a chaff alone. So I think I brought $4,000 to the table. Um, and then I got a check for, I think, six thousand dollars as the buyer's agent Uh uh-huh so that's another i mean if we're gonna level up to step two on being really smart with real estate is go get your real estate license if you Mm -hmm. plan on investing in real estate and then you can leverage your down payments with your real estate checks or you can leverage improvements with your real estate checks yes too so it i mean it was just i I walked away making two grand on buying my property Uh and insane yeah no that's super cool So um, let me just share real quick about our friend Amanda. So Amanda, she's basically my sister-in-law. She is the mother of my two nephews, and one of them is in a wheelchair. So he'll be, you know, he's special needs. He has physical disabilities. So he'll be in a wheelchair his entire life. So he needs a main floor bedroom, like, you know, ADA, handicap accessible. And I was going through my emails one day and it was this gal that I used to work with in our previous life at the hotel we used to work at together. Okay. And she's a realtor. And it says like, um, handicap accessible home or, or back on the market in Lakewood or something like that. So I opened it just to see like, oh, what's, what's she up to these days? She's like, she's such a cute gal, like really sweet gal. So I was like, oh, what is she up to these days? So I open it up and it's a three bedroom, two bathroom ranch style townhouse which is like townhouse condo unheard of (laughs) with a ramp to get up to it Mm. a little space in the backyard and in amanda's price point oh my gosh so i was like holy crap and it was completely outdated but we didn't care so i forwarded the email over to amanda i called darcy i asked her what was going on on this property she said it's back on the market the buyer's backed out like we have a lot of action and i was like you need to say this for my sister-in-law like this is not for even her this is for my nephew who's in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. and so i sent it to amanda she never checks her email, so I sent her a text. I said, check your email right now. I'm going to look at this property for you. Mm. And she's like, okay, well, I'm at work right now. And I was like, you need to be available in 15 minutes because I'm going to FaceTime you. So I get there. I FaceTime her, and she's like, I mean, it looks perfect. Like, And we had written offers before, but they were, like, completely lowball offers because that's, like, for what she needed, that's, like, what we could afford. And so I would always send a message, like, this is with all due respect, like, this is not trying to be a disrespectful offer, but this is just perfect for her. And this is like literally the best that she can do. So we're just hoping for a miracle here. Obviously those miracles didn't happen, but this is the perfect place. It's in Jefferson County. So it's in the schools that she wanted to be in Mm. three bedrooms. So it's that weekend. And she's like, well, we do have word on other offers coming in. 
And I was like, Darcy, we need this. Like, like this is an estate sale, so the and it's paid off. The family, like, this is just bonus for the family. Like, this to us is, like, everything. So she just, like, communicated our needs to, to the people, and they had a heart, and they went with us. Even though they had word of other offers coming in, they went with our offer at asking price. Mm. And I can't remember what we bought it for. I think it was, like, maybe 318 or something like that. And she locked in, I think, a 2.75 or something like that interest rate, maybe 3%. Um, But great monthly payment. And now she, so she's forced appreciation. So Mm. she ripped out all of the flooring. She painted, there were beams there that were just painted white, the color of the ceiling. She painted the beams to look like a a woodsy, yeah, Mm. like an actual beam. Um, painted all of the walls, put in all new flooring. We painted the cabinets. We opened up the kitchen a little bit. And now it's probably worth like four twenty-five. And she didn't have to do a thing. And here's the thing that I love about you too, is like you've shared stories like this with me and every single one, whether it is your, like Amanda, who's practically your sister or the, your luxury clients that you just met, like you are this passionate about everybody that like that's not a story that's like a once in a lifetime story this is like what you go do you go work so hard for Mm -hmm. your people and like you go make miracles happen all the time it's truly my passion i'm not in it just to like make a quick check off of somebody like i'm doing it because i know the power of owning real estate and I know how happy someone's going to be two years from now that they did this. Yeah, yeah. You try to absorb as much of that, like, immediate pain, the, like, immediate discomfort, because you know that in two years they're calling you going, oh, my God, you changed my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Yep. And they're cashing out and getting something better. What are your final words for our listeners? Final words, I would just say that you know, I have a true passion here and it is for home ownership. And I've told you my passion before is inspiring generational wealth. And I know most of our listeners are women and I want to inspire women and especially single mothers. I don't have kids. I'm not a single mother. I'm not trying to like blow smoke up your ass. Like (laughs) my true passion is seeing single mothers who are struggling with not receiving their child support and having to work and having to pay for everything for their kids and really struggling, but figuring out doing the tough things to purchasing their first home. And it's a condo and it's not ideal. And the dog doesn't have a yard anymore, but you know what? You have to face the reality that you chose a dog before you chose a living situation. Mm -hmm. And that's a mistake that you have to confront and accept And maybe you need to give the dog to a family member or you need to take the dog out on extra walks now or take the dog to work with you or, you know, it's something you have to figure out. But be an inspiration to your children. Mm. Be an inspiration to your daughter, especially. Show your daughter that you can do this. You don't need someone doing this for you. You're not going to sit here and suffer and be the victim of your circumstances. You're going to go out there and get what you need for your family. And then watch that equity grow. Watch Mm -hmm. the comparable sales around the area keep going up and keep going up. And okay, one sale went down, but it keeps going up over time. And then in two, three, four, five years, you're going to be sitting in our position of saying, 
I have a hundred thousand dollars in equity and now and those five years flew by mm-hmm. and now I can go buy this house with a huge backyard I'm gonna wrap this up with a thought that I just had which is I, I heard a coach tell me this one time which is you're going to fight for your limitations my job is to fight for your potential mm. And that if I could wrap up like in a bow what you do, that's exactly it. You you see people who do not believe in themselves and what they're capable of. All the time. And you say, I am not going to give in to you believing in those limitations. I am going to fight for your potential and you go change their life. I love that. That's exactly how I feel too. Yeah. Thank you for all you do. Oh, appreciation. and thank you listeners we appreciate you too and really fun news we have over 80 subscribers on spotify now we are trying to get to 100 by the end of the month yes so share with your friends your family your loved ones and can i also share a cool story is um i've been trying to connect with my friend trina who i used to work with and she's been really busy and then i went out of state and then so finally she reached out and she's like hey my schedule's finally clearing up let's get together so we're gonna connect next week but when we were talking um she was like oh yeah and you inspired me to for the 5 a.m club it's super fun and i was like oh my god you're listening (laughs) and you're joining our challenge and you know what i'm not um i'm far from perfect on the 5 a.m challenge but i am getting better um to be a better morning person but she told and me that's she, all it is progress, progress over, over perfection, perfection. <laughs> and then um so i asked trina like what are you doing at 5 a.m and she's like oh i stretch i do these stretches and then i journal and i meditate and i'm like you are oh my gosh yes. i'm like <laughs> you are my hero my inspiration i like, want to be your best friend why have we not I hung know. out yet well come with us next <laughs> week when we meet up so trina shout out thank you for listening and then who is our other shout out oh yes we had um Barbara. Barbara. Yes, uh, Barbara. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. And Amanda listens every week. And Love you. Annie is four episodes behind, but it's fine. <laughs> She's going to listen to this part. And she did just have a baby. Sure. Yes. No excuses, though. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we are so thankful that you stick with us and listen to us. And I hope that we are an inspiration and that we're like really like, I, we want to kick your ass in a good way. Like, we want to yeah. push you and we want. We're pushing ourselves through this, too. Like, it's all about growth, and we're here to support you. And we're just, like, so thankful. And um, share totally. this episode with your friends, with your significant other, with uh, y- Anybody who needs to know anything about real estate, this is a great 101. Yes. Um, just to break those fears. And, you guys, I don't say this because Kendra's my host and a friend of mine. I say this because it comes from the bottom of my heart. I do not use anybody else for real estate except for Kendra because there's two things that are super important to me. First is she will put you first. Like I know that if I give somebody to Kendra, she will take great care of them. And the second thing is like this girl keeps up with the information. She's going to make sure you make a great decision. I never have to worry about like, oh, is she helping this person do the right thing? Or is she really advocating? Like there's no other, I've met, hundreds of real estate agents and there's no other agent that I would give my business to. I refer her all of my business. So thank you. Yes. And I appreciate um, that. You guys don't have to buy or sell to talk to Kendra. Right. Just if you have curiosity, she is there for you passionately. Yeah. 
Okay, I'll stop talking about her. Okay, no, that's so sweet. I love it. I love you. Thank you so much. I love you. Bye. Bye, guys. See you next time.